0: That's exactly where we need to be and to dwell and to live our lives out as followers of Christ near the cross of Christ and enter into that divine rest that he has provided to us so graciously. Today, we are uh, continuing in this brief series of messages called Roots, in which we are looking at uh, some spiritual habits or practices Uh, typically referred to as spiritual disciplines. But we're talking about them as life habits that every one of us as believers, as followers of Jesus, should pay close attention to and make every effort to incorporate into our daily life as God through Christ continues to shape us and mold us and conform us to the likeness of His Son, Jesus Christ, on this pilgrim journey. And today we're going to be looking at the spiritual habit of Sabbath keeping. And we're basing our thoughts on the texts that were read earlier by Ben. The first from the law that was given by God to Moses uh, at Sinai uh, in Exodus chapter 20. And then the second, uh, the gospel reading, uh, which Jesus uh, kind of reorients and realigns Sabbath keeping principles Uh, for those of us who are living under uh, this new covenant, no longer bound by the law of Moses, but now living under this new covenant of grace in Jesus Christ. And so we're talking today about embracing this gift of the Sabbath. It was interesting to me, uh, over the last few days, four of us from FAC uh, here attended a worship uh, conference At houghton college in western new york and um, we really benefited from our times of worship there and instruction the presenters who shared so many uh, creative ideas and challenging thoughts about worship in the 21st century and uh, during one of our breaks i happened to pick up a copy of the college newspaper called the houghton star and as i was reading through the college newspaper to kind of get a pulse on what was happening on houghton's campus i I read an article about a new initiative that houghton college has begun this year and will continue throughout the year on uh, sabbath keeping and i was so curious to know what prompted all of this interest in sabbath and and how college students would be fleshing this out and making it work within the Christian college community. And so I had the opportunity yesterday morning to speak with uh, our own Amy Kelly, who's a student at Houghton and a friend of hers, about this. And so happens that her friend is in the Student Government Association, who's kind of kicked this whole thing off on campus. And last uh, Sunday, last Lord's Day, they gathered together a, a part of the college community and began to wrestle with, so what does this mean? as a college community for us as college students who are pushed by professors to to write the best papers and to be at the top of our game? What does it mean for us as a college student to take a, a Sabbath one day out of seven for rest, renewal, refreshment? And it's just a fascinating dialogue that I think that has begun on the college campus. And I'm hoping that what this will do today, will, I can promise you that it's not going to answer every question that you have about this life habit, but I'm hoping that it will begin to engender a discussion amongst us in our homes, our families, within the wider community of this church, of what it means for us as followers of Jesus to incorporate this important life habit that I believe is hardwired into us as human beings. And what does it mean? What will it look like for us to take a Sabbath and to embrace this gracious gift of God? Now, I want to to tell you that there's a great deal of confusion and misunderstanding and unfortunately legalistic attitudes and some hard feelings that are generated by this particular life habit, this Spiritual dip- discipline of Sabbath keeping. For a lot of people, the idea of Sabbath uh, is all the stuff that you can't do or were never allowed to do in the past. Do you remember those days? Uh, some of you in this crowd are old enough to remember them well. I grew up in a home where there was so much that was absolutely verboten to do on Sunday, the Lord's Day. There was more stuff that you couldn't do than you could do. Uh, and most of the thung- things that you could do, according to my childlike mind, mine, was no fun at all. You couldn't have fun on Sunday. We weren't allowed to play ball. The idea of going to a restaurant for a meal, the idea of going to the grocery store to make a purchase, or going to the beach for a swim, it was a completely... Foreign concept. We would have never even considered it or suggested it because we knew as kids that were we to do so, that our parents would have said, absolutely not, this is the Lord's Day and we need to honor it and we need to keep it holy. So what were we to do? We were allowed, there was a very narrow window of approved activities. We were allowed to sit quietly and read a book or take a nap. Those were the two options. Well, I uh, do I have to tell you which one I chose? (laughs) I I chose to take a nap. And as I said last week in in my introduction to this series, it's interesting to me that there's no other day in the week. Now, as a grown man in my 50s, there's no other day in the week in which I take a nap except on Sunday. It it became a life habit. Uh, I just feel the need on Sunday afternoon after dinner is over and I get home uh, to lay down. And I know you think I only work one day a week and (laughs) I know, I know. But I lay down and take a nap on Sunday. Kathy and I both grew up with these kinds of restrictions in our lives. We were talking about it this week and Kathy told me that she and her two sisters uh, had to wear dresses all day on Sunday, they could not change into slacks uh, there were There was no pants, there was no play. The rule in in kathy's home was no one's coming in and no one's going out <laughs> and uh, that's the way it was in all their growing up years. It was for us and for many of you uh, the lord 's day the Sabbath was a day that was strictly reserved for and dedicated to worship and rest you couldn't work you couldn't do anything that was frivolous or fun in many ways it was very restrictive and highly regimented in many ways it was definitely definitely legalistic and in many ways it was a burden and became for some in their approach to Sunday a day of gloom and depression instead of a day of joy and gladness a gift from God. Now, I just want to insert something here, though. Though I have some memories about this highly regimented legalistic attitude about Sundays, I want to confess to you that based on the hurried and harried pace of life now, I would give you a million bucks for a Sunday like I had in my childhood. To have a day of rest like that. I can see that a few of you would like that as well. What is this all about, this idea of Sabbath? And I want you to understand that what we're talking about is not this kind of heavy approach that many of us experience, but rather something that is actually a gracious gift from God, uh, the, from the hand of a loving Father, and an invitation to us as Christ followers, an invitation to a richer and fuller life. So what does it mean? To observe the Sabbath today. Well, I think it's important that we begin with a little background and begin with the commandment itself. As it stands literally, the commandment for Sabbath was given to the Hebrew people to set apart the seventh day of the week. The Sabbath, or in Hebrew, the Shabbat, as a day of total rest. We read it in one of our lessons this morning, Exodus 20. The law of God to Moses. Remember the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now what I want you to understand that w- it, that is this. In its original form here in Exodus, God's law to Moses and the people of Israel, that work was absolutely forbidden. The performance of work was forbidden by God. But you also need to understand that in Jewish culture, the seventh day would not be as for us, Sunday, but would instead be Saturday. And this was a specific Jewish commandment and part of the ancient covenant that God had established with His people Israel. And if you take it in the very literal sense, God's commandment doesn't have a great deal to do for those of us who live in and under the covenant of grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me say it plainly and honestly so that there's no uh, confusion. Our Sunday, the day we typically, historically here in North America, come together as Christians to worship, is Sunday, the first day of the week, and it's not the same day that Jewish uh, people of the nation of Israel would have observed as their Sabbath. Their Sabbath was the seventh day, Saturday. Our Sabbath, typically in the Christian faith, has been Sunday, the first day of the week. And it was the early Christians in the early ages of Christianity that shifted that, and they did so because it was on the first day of the week. Do you know why that shift took place? It was on the first day of the week that Jesus rose from the dead. And so every Sunday on the first day of the week, Christians came together to celebrate the pivotal event of our Christian faith that Jesus Christ died and is risen and lives again. And so that which was experienced in the Jewish culture on the seventh day as Shabbat became the Lord's Day Sunday for followers of Christ. And ever since, we have fallen into that pattern of worship on the first day of the week. We are Christians. We are followers of Jesus. We are not Jews. And while there are many Christians who may refer to the Lord's Day as, or Sunday as the Sabbath, and it's perfectly alright to do so, We understand that the law that was given to Moses and therefore to the children of Israel, that that law is not incumbent upon us. Those two things are not the same. And if you look at the New Testament record, nowhere in the New Testament record will you find Jesus instructing anyone to keep the Sabbath. In fact, if you look closely at the Scripture, you'll discover, as in our passage in Luke 6 this morning, you'll discover that Jesus actually broke the Sabbath and, and, and almost did it so deliberately to kind of rub the noses of the, of the Pharisees in it to say that, that, you know, what you've done to the Sabbath has totally destroyed what God intended for it to be. You see, the Jews had had created such an onerous, burdensome thing that this gift that God had given to His chosen people had actually become a source of bondage rather than a source of freedom. And I got a wee bit of a taste of that when several years ago, Kathy and I traveled in the Holy Land, and we were staying in Jerusalem in the King David Hotel, a, a Beautiful hotel there, and we were there over Sabbath, which begins in the Jewish culture on Friday night at sundown and extends through Saturday night at sundown. And and usually on Friday night they have the Shabbat meal, and and it's a very ornate, uh, involved thing that involves the whole family coming together, remembering all that God has done in the history of their their people. But as we were in that King David hotel, I, I was curious that there was something called Sabbath elevators. Because for the Jews, even to push an elevator button was a source of work, and it was not possible to even push the elevator button to get to your floor. So if you were a good Jew, and you were in the King David Hotel on a Sabbath, from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, you used the Sabbath elevator, And they would stop, one of the Sabbath elevators would stop at all the even numbered floors, and the other Sabbath elevator would stop at all the odd numbered floors. So you didn't have to push a button for floor 13. If you waited and were patient long enough, it would ultimately, if you got on the odd numbered elevator, you would ultimately get to floor 13. They had totally taken this gift of God and had made it a source of captivity and bondage. Jesus places the literal Sabbath, the seventh day, the Saturday Sabbath observance, with the rest of Jewish ceremonial law. And like the whole sacrificial system of the Old Testament, Jesus did not make the Sabbath binding upon those who would be His followers. But, and it's an awfully big but, if the letter of the law concerning Sabbath is not applicable to us as Christians, certainly I believe that the Sabbath principle is still binding in our lives. Why? Because the Sabbath principle is grounded in the nature of who God is, in the nature of man, in the nature of the universe itself. I believe that if you look objectively and closely at the universe around us, that Sabbath is a life rule. Sabbath is how God has wired us to be in our souls, as creative and to be as creative and as fulfilled as we could possibly be. And although the New Testament nowhere echoes the exact literal Sabbath command, you won't find it in the New Testament, it certainly does reinforce the principle behind the command that was given to the nation of Israel. This principle of Sabbath-keeping is that God has ordained that a specific and proportionate amount of time is to be hallowed, to be made holy, to be set apart, and the purpose of this setting apart or hallowing time is for the purpose of rest and for worship. And the idea of Sabbath existed long before God gave Moses and the children of Israel the law as it was etched on the stone tablets of Moses. The idea of Sabbath, I believe, is seen even in the work of creation where God created the universe and all that we see in six days. And what does it tell us? After the sixth day, on the seventh day, God rested. And because that's part of God's nature. Did God need a rest? Was He tired out from creating the universe? Absolutely not. But He is giving us a template, a model, an example for our lives. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but He rested on the seventh day. The principle is God worked six days and rested on one And because you and I are made in the image of God. You realize that, don't you? It's called the Imago Dei. You and I are made in the image of God. Because this is part of God's nature, uh, that it's built into us, into our souls and our minds and our hearts. There is a rhythmic alteration that is hardwired into us between work and rest. Whether you will admit it or not, it is there in you, deep within you. This divine principle is written on the tablets of our hearts. It's hardwired into our bodies and our emotions and our minds. It is written, this Sabbath principle, I think, is written into every cell of our bodies. And if we are to thrive spiritually and physically and emotionally and relationally, all these dimensions of our being, then I believe that we, as Christ followers, though we are not obligated by the burdensome laws of the Old Testament covenant, we need to take seriously this part of us who God has made us this way and learn that the Sabbath principle is one of the moral laws of the universe and therefore we must gladly embrace it rather than resist it. We must acknowledge that this is the way that God is and this is the way the universe is and therefore we should embrace this as a gift and accept God's invitation into a Sabbath rest. Now this rhythm that exists between work and rest comes from the throbbing heart of God itself. You see it in all of nature, don't you? Look at nature. The tides rise and falls. The day alternates with night. The moon waxes and wanes. The seasons change. The dry, the wet, the hot, the cold. Nature has a a rhythm uh, to it all of itself. If you look at at nature, that there's a time for trees to fruit and there's a time for trees to be dormant. A tree can't produce leaves and fruit during the cold uh, months of winter. That's a time for the tree to rest. But the tree doesn't have freedom for choice and action. But you and I do have that freedom. And that's our problem. The rest of nature doesn't have that choice. It is built into all of nature And yet we, the crowning work of God's creation, are the only ones who have the freedom to choose to obey this hardwired principle or not. And we can choose, foolishly so, but we can choose to drive our bodies and our minds and our emotions long past the point of needed rest and recreation. Because we have the power of choice. We have the power to choose. And because we have the power to choose, we can run the risk of destroying ourselves for a false set of values. And because there is this inherent hazard in this freedom that's been given to us, God, who is rich in grace and mercy, has given us a wonderful gift, and it's called a Sabbath rest. A day set apart. A day of rest for worship and relaxation and recuperation and re-energizing. And joy. I think one of the most important aspects of Sabbath is this that Sabbath is the recognition that I am not running the world. Sabbath is is disciplining myself to say, I'm going to take one day out of seven to take a rest from being the captain of the world. And I'm going to let God control the world on the seventh day it's taking your hands off and saying you know I don't have to be productive I don't I don't have to be producing or successful or, or, or worried about all of these things Sabbath is stopping and noticing that when I take a rest amazingly when I take a rest the world still is spinning on its axis Sabbath is something I believe that is in such credible, incredibly short supply in our world today. And many of us don't even have a clue of how wonderful this gift is. Because we're frantic. We as Americans have the most leisure time ability, the shortest work week, uh, the, the most leisure time ability probably of any day or civilization in the history of mankind. And yet our lives are more frantic than ever before. Do you recognize how constantly we are on? I mean think of I think of the the ways that I multitask some days. Here I am driving the car, talking on my cell phone, listening to Fox News on the Sirius Radio, and I'm looking at the GPS to get the directions for where I'm going or supposed to be going and having some woman on my GPS shout at me, make a legal (laughs) U-turn. It's absolute craziness. But not just this. We take our work with us 24-7. We're constantly connected. You don't even need a laptop computer anymore. Now we have iPhones and cherries or blackberries or some kind of fruit. <laughs> and you can take it wherever you go. You're always connected. Ping! And you've got email and you've got the web and you've got the phone and you've got iTunes and podcasts and you've got everybody that you've ever laid eyes on on your contact list. and. And you've got all these friends on MySpace and Facebook and, and it's all right there in the palm of your hand and it leads us to this illusion that I run everything in the palm of my hand. And in our face, fast-paced nanosecond society, we are constantly receiving messages that tell us to speed up to do more, to keep going, to push and produce, rather than to slow down. We drive fast cars. We eat fast food. We feel compelled to get on the fast track, to take the maximum course load in college, not only to succeed, but so that we can get at the head of the pack. The average college student today spends the first part of the fall term taking an overload of college credits, accelerating to full speed, only to come to a screeching halt at Thanksgiving break with a bad case of mononucleosis. We keep to-do lists in our day timers and our day planners and our Outlook software. I'm told that in a lifetime, The average American will spend six months sitting at traffic lights waiting for them to change. Spend one year searching through desk clutter looking for some misplaced objects. Spend eight months opening junk mail. I think I've already met my quota on that one. (laughs) Spend two years trying to call people who aren't in or whose line is busy. Spend three years in meetings, most of them worthless. And somehow the pace of our lives and the ceaseless activity that we're engaged in and that is swirling all around us turns out not to be freedom, but rather turns out to be bondage and captivity. And all the while, while we're in this harried pace, God is present there. And He is inviting us to receive this glorious gift called the Sabbath. Sabbath. And I see this gift from three different angles. First of all, I see it as a gift of rhythm. We all need rhythm in our lives. As I said earlier, this is how God has created the world. There is a rhythm to the four seasons. There is a rhythm to the 24-hour day. There is a rhythm to human development from infant to toddler to childhood to adolescent to adult to senior. God knew God knew we couldn't survive going nonstop 24 7. So He gave us an owner's manual which says to go strong for six days and then rest on the seventh. Aren't you glad that airline pilots fly only so long before they are required to take a rest? It's written in their rule book. Why don't we pay better attention to God's rule book for our lives? And, and, There's a design there for healthy, full, rich living. Sabbath is a gift of rhythm, but Sabbath is also a gift of refreshment. One of the clear purposes for Sabbath is stated in the Bible, Exodus 23, 12, six days do your work, but on the seventh day, do not do work so that your ox and your donkey may rest and the slave born in your household and the alien as well may be, the word is refreshed, may be refreshed. Guess what the word refreshed literally means? Literally, in the Hebrew, the word refreshed means to breathe. To breathe. Work is exhausting. The Sabbath gives us a chance to breathe, to create space in an otherwise full agenda so that we might refresh and restore do you ever find yourself saying, I need a breather? That's exactly what a Sabbath is. It is God's built in breather. And I believe that this God ordained refreshment needs to take the form of rest and recreation. Now, historically, people have worked six days a week. However, Today, most Americans work a a typical five-day work week and then they spend their weekend trying to do everything that needs to be done around the house and the yard. And consequently, there is no time for an intentional Sabbath because the pressure of our work lives during the week work week is then coupled with the pressure of getting everything done at home. And that pressure at home matches the pressure that we feel at work in earning a salary. And to cease working on the Sabbath, I think, means that we're going to quit at anything that is work. It means quitting this endless madness of trying to produce and to be productive. And I warn you that if you step out and take a chance with this life habit of. Sabbath-keeping, that at first it's going to feel very awkward to, to you. You're going to feel like, oh, I need to be doing something. I need to be doing something that's productive. I need to be doing something that will make a difference. And if you do, you're going to be destroying this wonderful gift. You need to resist that temptation to do. You see, the problem, I think, with most of us is that we spend far more energy on being human doings than we spend on being a human being. There are times in this God given cycle to stop doing and just be. I know you, you're, I, I see this puzzled look on your face like, what planet are you from? How can I do that? You don't know how, how many expectations are laid upon me. Setting aside a holy Sabbath means that we can cease from the madness of having to be productive and accomplish something. Stop worrying about productivity and create space in your life for God to work on changing your character and transforming you into the likeness of His Son, Jesus. Stop doing for a change. And just be. And there's something tremendously freeing about doing this and embracing the Sabbath, knowing that we don't have any work to do because we have deliberately set it aside. And in that space, we spend time with God and time with others. In addition to the rest, we take time for recreation and recreation, and we don't feel guilty about it. Learn how to enter into this wonderful life with a childlike sense, to just be able to play. I think that we've forgotten to learn how to play. John Calvin, one of the great reformers of the church, after church on Sunday mornings, guess what John Calvin, this great theological reformer, did? John Calvin would go and indulge himself in the hobby of lawn bowling every Sabbath. Lawn bowling may not be your thing, but find something that is your thing. Find creative ways to spend time with your family. Our, our families are so divided and broken up. We're all going different ways. We hardly even sit down to an evening meal together to have conversation Make a shift in the rhythm of your family life and decide to do family things together. Find creative ways that you can recreate with your spouse and have fun together or have fun with your children. It's a time of refreshing. Thirdly, the gift of Sabbath is a gift of remembering. At Sabbath, we don't simply rest our bodies, though that's important. We don't primarily rest our emotions, though we should Discover ways to do that wisely. Instead, I think the gift of Sabbath is a time to remember. It's a time of remembrance. Moses writes in Deuteronomy that remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe this Sabbath day. We need a Sabbath not just because our bodies need a rest. But because our spirits need to be reminded that we were once slaves, but we've been delivered by the grace of God in Christ. We need to remember in this day of Sabbath rest, we need to remember why, because it's our sinful nature to forget. You and I need to be constantly reminded we not only forget the small trivialities of of everyday life, but we have the tendency to forget the eternal realities and issues of life. And when we set aside one day in seven, we not only create space for rest and refreshment, but we also, in this rhythmic alteration, we set aside time to remember that we are not Lord of all creation but that He is. And that He is our first priority. And He's our Savior. Let's face it, if we forget and treat this gift carelessly, we will be prone to forget Him. If we remember His day, we will remember that He has delivered us from slavery to sin. And if we forget that we came out of sin, We may find ourselves back in it. At Sabbath time, we suspend our work in order to worship the One who made us and who has saved us. We rest and worship one day in seven simply to acknowledge that He is Lord of all. Sabbath reminds us that God is in control and that our lives and our well-being are totally in His hand. Let me close this morning by pulling this together and cinching the sack and saying that you need a Sabbath. If you want to overcome overload, you must make an intentional effort to set aside a proportionate amount of time in your week. For some of you, that can't be Sunday. Sunday is, let me tell you, Sunday is not my Sabbath. Friday is my Sabbath. That's the day that Kathy and I do things to restore ourselves and and to re-energize and get ready for the week. Sunday is not a Sabbath for, for me. I've learned to worship and to to work at the same time, but I still need to set aside another day in my week for Sabbath. If you're interviewing for a job, tell them up front about your commitment to a Sabbath day. You need to approach your boss and say to him, look, I'll be a better employee if you give me a Sabbath. Now, I know that there are some workplaces that you can't do that. If you're a doctor or a nurse or emergency services person, you may not be able to have that kind of freedom, and you need to design some other kind of Sabbath in your week. Some of you need to make some tough decisions about your children and what they do, especially with Sunday scheduling. I wonder what would happen if Christian families and Christian parents would stand up to the sports communities in our state and would say, look, I want my son and my daughter to be involved in your soccer league, but we have a value in our family to reserve this day for rest and worship, and we're not going to go to your tournament today. And if enough of us would do that, what kind of a change would it make? What if some of us would say, if a community of us would say, look, we're going we're to do some things differently on this day of rest. We're going to approach this day differently and be creative about it and be intentional about it. Maybe for you, the thing that you need to do on the Sabbath day is to turn off your computer and not look at your emails. Or turn off your cell phone and be free from it. For every one of us, our Sabbath is going to look different. I'm not going to dictate to you because then it becomes legalistic. And we're back in the whole pharisaical mode again. But the primary issue of this is, can you trust God enough to take a Sabbath off from your work? Will you trust Him enough to provide for you in limiting your work to six days and not stretching it over into an overload pattern on the seventh? Will you let God be the God of your life? Will you seek Him first? How should you observe the Sabbath? I'm not going to tell you. That, and that probably angers some of you because you want me to spoon feed you on this. Grow up and figure it out yourself. But remember, Jesus said, set a Sabbath apart. To rest Now, if you need resources, I have a number that I'd like to recommend to you, and then I'm going to close. The first is a book that I have appreciated so much by Marva Dawn called Keeping the Sabbath Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. And if you can't jot this down, but you want to come and see me afterwards. Another is a book called Sabbath Time by Tilden Edwards. I don't agree with everything he has to say, but he has some important things to say. And another is by Donna Shaper called Sabbath Keeping. There are tremendous ideas in these resources that will help you, your partner, your family, to figure out, okay, what are we going to do? How are, we, how are we going to do Sabbath? Now, what I want you to do in this hurried moment that we have, isn't that terrible? I'm talking about taking rest, and I'm aware that there's a congregation waiting to come in here. But take a moment To just you and God say, okay, what one thing can I take away from this today and figure out what can I do to begin to practice this life habit of Sabbath keeping in my home, in my family? And acknowledge anything that might stand in the way of that fear. Maybe fear about I'll be bored if I do that or fear that I'll not have enough money if I don't work overtime on Sunday or fear. You name it. What one thing can I do this week to begin to instill this principle of Sabbath, taking a rest in my life? Do that and then I will pray quietly before God. God, we acknowledge that many of us in this room are weary and heavy laden. We are worn out, stretched thin, and we don't do still very well. We've allowed busyness and business to keep us from this gracious gift of Sabbath. We have succumbed to the urge to always be producing. But we believe that You're here this morning inviting us, welcoming us, calling our name to come to You and find rest. So, God, we come. Seeking Your Word for our life, whatever that means for each of us and corporately together, help us to discipline our lives and our schedules, to accept Your gift of times of refreshment and peace, times in which You will restore and refresh and renew and recreate. All this so that we might be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus.